poor Alex Ferguson even felt like he should show up. Rangers, Rangers who tossed him aside because I think he lost his man in a corner in a cup final, and they gave him dogs abuse. Then they brought out his Catholic wife. Uh, they talk about they didn't bring her out. They, they brought her up in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. And I chalked Jack Grealish. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. We're going to start with some things that we've missed. From the last Villa game, that much happens after Aston Villa games that we just get blindsided left, right, and center. We're just covering too much shit for too much stuff to focus on. But uh, Stephen Gerrard came out after the match, and I think it was Ashley Priest of the Birmingham Mail was asking him about Cameron Archer. The way a lot of people were asking about Cameron Archer, considering our woes in front of goal, very legitimate question. Now, like, forget for a second if you. Th- if you don't think Cameron Archer is the hero of Aston Villa or if he's going to come in and change everything or score a shitload of goals, forget if you think legitimately that Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins are ahead of him, but there are questions to be asked about. We, talk, we spoke about it on without, without having Gerard's quotes. We spoke about it um, on Sunday's podcast about why did they keep Cameron Archer? Like he would have been way better playing football. Uh, anyway, the manager was asked about one of his own players and my God, like... This is Jose Mourinho stuff, the way he bites back at a question about a talented young player in his team. I feel like, you know the way Jose Mourinho, out of no fault of any of the players, started to fucking despise his players because the media were asking about them and they did nothing wrong except be rated by other people. Gerard cut back in on Priest and said, uh, is he chomping at the bit? 100%. You're a fan of Cameron, aren't you? Aren't you? <laughs> Are you a mate of the family? Something's going on here because you've asked me 25 questions this year and I reckon 19 have been on Cameron Archer. You're a fan, aren't you? Aren't you? Like, if I was actually a priest, I would have just said, yeah, I am. He's very good. Are you not a fan? I really feel for this young player in the middle of it all who now realizes that his manager, the manager of the football club, only thinks that anybody in the right mind, would actually ask about his progress or why is he not in the team if they were a family member of his. Yeah, despite the fact that the team's also only scored six goals as well. Yeah. And like you said to him there, this is Mourinho stuff. Like it's, it's Mourinho about the back catalogue. You know, it's Mourinho about the closets <laughs> full of trophies. Like I always, I always believe Mourinho became a shit because he was railing against his waning powers. You know, like it happens to everyone. Yeah. I, I did it playing football. I mean, I became a cynical arsehole. Not in my post-match <laughs> interviews, obviously, but in, in, in how I played. I also had to do something extra to make up for your defending as well. But it was mostly <laughs> because as I got older, 19-year-olds stayed the same age. Like, you know, the, the world moves on. The interminable march of progress will eventually trample over the top of you because you're running to stay ahead of it. And the unremitting ravages of time will just slow you down until you're just angrily shaking your fist as things move on past you and you know Pep Guardiola broke Mourinho is what I'm saying and he's he's never been the same since and surely Angelus Postagoglu didn't break Gerrard I I certainly hope that's not what we're fucking dealing with here anyway it's almost certainly just the case that he thinks 
he thinks he's better than he is. Like, you know, absolute picture book Dunning Kruger effect. And in, in the in the same way he can't figure out how to create a system of play, he can't figure out why why that's not working. And maybe it's just because he was a brilliant footballer as well. You know, he never he's never struggled before. I mean, he was rightly idolized for years. He was the best at what he did for decades, if you go back to how he was at underage, all the way through to retirement. And now I know he's not. He's he's kicking out. Like you know, to be fair, he, he did stop Celtic winning ten in a row. He did win the title unbeaten, and he did leave Rangers when they were top of the table. So that obviously bolsters his confidence as well. I mean, he obviously thinks he's got something off the back of that, but he's wrong. We all got that one wrong, Conan, didn't we? <laughs> That's the thing that worries me a little bit. It is the classic ex very good player thinks. Or, you know, they just don't cut it then in management because all their it's just not as easy. Like they're just not in control of what every single player is doing. And you know, sometimes I think people would assume as well that they just can't understand why these players can't do what they do. I don't think that's necessarily the case with Jared, but every time I hear a player talking about him, and there's definitely room for this as long as everything else is going well, but it's always it's always in the context of Gerard speaking about the standards that's required and what it takes to get to the top. And that's good, but you have to help. You have to help them get to the top. You can't just tell them they have to be better. And on the on the Fozcast, which I'm sure I'll talk about loads, <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cash was talking to Ben Foster about, he said Gerard pulls him into his office quite regularly. And he's just saying, I need more from me. And I, once again, like that's, that's good. <laughs> With with everything else being looked after, but it's not being looked after. And after a while, after the third time you're pulling them to the office, when there's only been eight games and Matt Cash was available for the season seven, you pulled them in three times and you're saying, I need more from me. After a while, Matt Cash is entitled to say, what can you do to help me? Like, what, what can I do to help you? Help me help you. There's other news going on as well. It's uh, around Aston Villa's new crest. They've whittled it down to three options. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you trying to slip a fashion conversation on the defence here, pal? <laughs> I'm not. I'm a bit concerned about the three options now. In fairness, a lot of people are. Um, like one thing we do know is that they're getting rid of the AVFC. I don't. I don't know whose idea that was, but they're bringing the Aston Villa text back. And uh, one thing that is confirmed: quote. The lion will be much more striking. Right. <laughs> so that's good. The options, the three options, around by similar to the historic 1982 crest, but not the same. I feel like they just can't admit that we should just go back to what we did 40 <laughs> years ago. Like 40, you know, we were going to have our own slant on it. The second one is a gas lamp inspired crest in the shape of a shield. I don't think anybody wants that. I mean, if you're going back to 1982 where it once worked, you're going even further back to one of these designs. And in the third one, a lion facing in the opposite direction oh. <laughs> to the one, to the one now, uh, on its own with eighteen seventy four written underneath. Um, I don't. For some reason, I'm getting a bit defensive about the lion facing to the left as we look at it. I don't know why that would be ridiculous if they changed it. Because well, that's the way the Aston Villa lion looks, Connor. <laughs> be ridiculous. Um, it also might draw your eye away from the away from the player or something. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really into fashion, <laughs> as you as you might have guessed before. I, what I do know is, though, I do hate the current badge. I mean, you said it there. Having AVFC on a real life adult's chest is fucking daft. 
yeah. this, this isn't Twitter. You might as well throw a throw a hashtag in there. And the position of the the position of the European Cup winning star makes the lion look like he's doing a doing an impression of Melier. Like you know, he's desperately flailing at it. <laughs> trying to reach it. Yeah. Trying to reach a European Cup, yeah. And if they're if they're trying to more accurately reflect the current values of the club though, then they should probably replace the lion with a kitten, if we're being honest. But um <laughs> other than that, yeah, none of those three options really sound that exciting. The lion facing the wrong way probably sounds the best, to be honest. Yeah. Just, just well, no, just go back to the circular La Villa podcast type badge. We've already yeah. set the template for them there. It's all there. Go use it. One more story at the top of the show before we move on and hand out some awards. Antonio Conte thinks Matt Doherty is a loser. Um, this <laughs> this isn't great for us because you know as Ireland fans we don't have a lot of players playing at the top level and Matt Doherty was the one we were pinning all our hopes on. He got his big move from Wolves to Spurs. Mourinho got gone. And then he was rejuvenated on the left, on the right with uh, Antonio Conte. But Conte has had enough. <laughs> he was being asked about Jed Spence, you know, one of these Cameron Archer type questions. You know, why aren't you giving this guy? You're, you're, you're playing shite. Why don't you play this person instead? And uh, just on a drive-by of poor Matt Doherty, who wasn't even involved <laughs> in this conversation, Conte said, I tried to pick the best team. Doherty last season played every game. No, I'm not seeing him in the right way to start the game. I'm not stupid. I don't want to lose. <laughs> uh, it's funny when it's an honor club, isn't it? Yeah, there we are ripping through Gerard with fucking hell. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we, uh, I don't think we got to go through enough of the Ireland Scotland game last time out because with the big one at the Aviva against Armenia dominated the conversation. But um, the way Doherty defended for Scotland's first goal was absolutely disgraceful. I mean, if we. If we had have come on to record after that game, I might have been arrested. It was, <laughs> it was utterly pathetic and ran completely contrary to what the team was doing that night as well, you know, how they were playing, including Matt Doherty, who had an amazing clearance at the back post at one stage as well. But you know this anyway, I, I've, I've never really been bought in on Matt Doherty. I think he always carries himself with a bit of arrogance or entitlement which which in one sense is fine because he's a professional footballer and a very good one and yeah. he has the right to be arrogant but I, every time I'm watching him whenever he loses the ball I always think he looks like he's he's had to remind himself oh I suppose I better get back like you know yeah. it's just and that's just not how we play football in this country <laughs> like, don't be fucking dragging your arse around here Maybe a lot of this is just coming from the fact that I also hate Wolves and Spurs, but yeah, I've never really been that bothered into them. <laughs> well, plan A in this country is when you lose the ball, like you have to get back. Like that's that's the first plan. You're going to lose the ball. How are you going to recover from it? <laughs> and then plan B is what happens if you do recover and magically get the ball back at your feet. But Matt, the hurry does. It's funny you bring that up. He has this habit of, you know when he plays the ball inside, he, he loves a... He loves a underlap so he always comes in the inside and he he'll play a, he'll play it i don't mind it sometimes but you know, when you're playing <laughs> with irish players for the most part apart from michael over family obviously you're wondering <laughs> why would you play him that ball like you know in that position he's not going to be able to trap it and get out of that position and he, he sort of sifts these balls into these players under pressure and when it's obvious it's already it's gone like you know let's get to plan a you now he's lost the ball get back 
Matt Doherty continues running forward when he, he knows follows the fucking ball. Yeah, no. that's exactly. He follows the ball after he knows the ball is being given away, yeah. and it's like he wants to take himself out of the recovery run yeah. by being like, "Oh, I was going to ah," uh, and he's the last person. <laughs> Look, I was through. If you weren't yeah. shit, I would have got it here. Yeah, Antonio Conte's right. Fuck this. <laughs> but it's like that thing about Buendia you were giving out about last week. You know, Buendia missed that shot, then he's running across the pitch with his hands in his head, looking back to make sure it didn't actually go into the top corner, but his eyes weren't actually <laughs> deceiving him. It's like that. Except the ball's still in fucking play, Matt. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, the, the gauntlet is laid for Matt Doherty. Your manager thinks you're a loser, basically. He said he doesn't play you because he's not stupid and he doesn't want to lose. Uh, there you go, Cameron Archer. It could be worse. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll come back with some awards. I mean, he had the same chance six oh. times. The same fucking chance. You think just even by a fluke, he would he would hit, hit the ball better this time? He finally came out and addressed those Cristiano comparisons. <laughs> How, how do you feel about being called the next Cristiano Ronaldo? And he said, I'm the only Amwar El Ghazi. Mings was going out of his way to make Jolton look like fat Ronaldo before he was fat. <laughs> when what he actually is is a fat Wesley. <laughs> He's my favourite ever player to watch. I'd watch Villa if I didn't support them. In the same way I used to watch Real Madrid games to watch Zidane. Or Barca games to watch Ronaldinho. Yeah. And now he's gone. The future is bleak. But what I didn't need, Conan, was you harassing me since Friday with <laughs> fucking tweets from in the know fantasy fucking football managers. <laughs> Why do you keep bringing up Gareth Southgate? <laughs> Gareth Southgate is a fucking prick. Remember how excited I was 36 games ago and you know how easily you won me over by saying, oh, it'll be good crack, we'll do a podcast. You're <laughs> such a fucking cunt. Okay, let's go with the cheekiest spin by my pals in the media of the week award. You're already talking about what's happening up in Scotland. There's been a really weird narrative that's kicked into the media psyche today, really, after the Champions League, or this is Wednesday night we're recording. Sorry to break the illusion, everybody. Um, we're not recording at 12.30 a.m. on a Thursday morning, just for you. Um, but it's late Wednesday night, so like, it's, it's fresh enough. Uh, Rangers, according to my pals in the media, are underperforming by, by their exploits in the Champions League. I mean, all I'm hearing, I've listened to a few podcasts already, I've read a few articles, I've seen plenty of talk sport. Uh, the Fozcast hasn't come out yet with anything, but the, it seems to be an attitude of... What's going wrong for Rangers? Because, because of what? Because they're they're not winning the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, it's it's brilliant. I mean, I obviously, I obviously don't know much about Rangers other than the fact that they need to get a second picture hung on their change room now. But i <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't believe when I saw their lineup last night just how bad it is or how distinctly average and not cut out for this level. I mean, they have they have a midfield too consisting of a 
A 38-year-old midfielder who played in the lower end of the Premier League when he was at his peak a decade ago. <laughs> Stephen Davis. And fucking then Lord Lundstrom, a lad who a lad who had to reset his career at the age of 21 by dropping down to League Two and whose most notable contribution to the Premier League was being miscategorised as a defender in fantasy football and <laughs> Rack up a few extra points when he scored the odd penalty. Oh, are we going to do it? Are we going to have the chance? <laughs> but the, but those articles being written asking what's gone wrong for Rangers? What what's gone wrong that they haven't managed to beat Ajax, Napoli, or Liverpool? Like, I obviously didn't click in any of those articles, but I hope they were short. You know, they're shite, and they're in a group of Ajax, Napoli, and Liverpool. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Yeah, they have Alan McGregor, who's 41 in January in, in goals. Like they, they, they sold this guy 10 years ago and they've brought him back uh, to man the goals for them. They, they, like, I didn't realize what, until I was looking this up, you know, just yeah, baffled by by the conversations that are being had around Rangers. Um, Jermaine Defoe was playing for them last season. <laughs> <laughs> Soccer Rage, Jermaine Defoe. He was playing with Rangers last season. That's, that's where they're at. They don't have Gerrard anymore. They're not at the same level. <laughs> I, what I will say is, though, like, you know, there obviously is still a bit of... Because I fucking sat in to watch what is essentially an absolutely shite team play one of the best teams in Europe. Not in current form, obviously. But like, why in the world, why in the name of God would I sit down to watch this? It's going to be an absolute stinker. But I did. Because it's the Battle of Britain, and I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, we all get caught with it. Poor Alex Ferguson even felt like he should show up as well. You know, Rangers, Rangers who tossed him aside because I think he lost his man in a corner in a cup final against Celtic, um, and they gave him dogs abuse. Then they brought out his Catholic wife. Uh, they talk about they didn't bring her out. They, they brought her up in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> the Sam Allardyce be out tactics him award, and there can only be one winner after what has gone down this week, and it has to be the man himself, Eric Ten Hag. He's decided enough is enough. Like he used the words that he got a reality check after the Man City game, and he realized that his squad is made up of too many Matt Doherty's, essentially too many fucking losers. <laughs> That you need a changing room, so he's put together what a lot of teams have done. He's put together a leadership group to crack, you know, to get this winning mentality back into the team, a team to influence the rest of the squad, the wider squad, a team that can drag them along when they're at their lowest ebb, like they are right now. A team to get Manchester United back to where they should be. So the Telegraph has reported it. Eric Ten Hag is believed to have named a four-man leadership group to run the dressing room, comprising of Bruno Fernandes, <laughs> Harry Maguire. <laughs> I've actually, put in there English international Harry Maguire as if they needed to qualify. <laughs> you people would raise eyebrows at that one. David De Gea, it's always like you know, for some reason that's automatically included. I don't know why. I can't imagine him being that middle leader. <laughs> And finally, former Aston Villa sub goalkeeper Tom Heaton. <laughs> God, this isn't true. None of this can be true. Tell him, Eric Ten Hag. 
you have you have clicked on an article here that's false. Like read that, read the read the URL again. It's absolutely not the telegraph.co.uk. This is some I'm, bullshit. I'm reading it again. It's in your hero, Erickson Haig, has named Bruno Fernandez, Harry Maguire, David De Gea, Tom Heaton to lead the squad by example. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what example it is he's trying to set there though. Like, you know, is he going for the cautionary tale approach, be careful or you could end up the, these four losers. Like that, that might seem a bit harsh on Tom Heaton, but let's get real here. He's second choice to dab at the hair. And I, I also I also don't care how ruptured his cruciate ligament was. If he couldn't get in ahead of Orient Island when he did have one functioning leg, then you'd have to have your suspicions about him as well. I mean, a fucking bucket on a string hanging from the crossbar would have been more useful. And it's weird as well. That, like this leadership group, this is... It's being headed up by fucking Bruno Fernandes. Somebody who loses his head more frequently than Harry Maguire loses his fucking man. <laughs> Harry Maguire's head's full of fucking concrete. And David De Gea's head's been spinning so much since he saw the number of zeros in the contract they offered him four or five years ago that you couldn't legitimately call him a footballer since then. <laughs> fucking madness. Can you just imagine it? You know, things are going badly this week. You know, the, the, the dressing room is fractured. Training isn't up to scratch. Cristiano, Rafael, Casemiro, Tom wants to have a word of you. Tom wants to have a word of you over there. And you go, <laughs> who? Tom? Who fucks Tom? Tom Heaton? <laughs> he plays for us. <laughs> Thought he just worked with David. I thought he just put down the cones for David. Yeah, so, so plenty more fun ahead at Old Trafford, it seems like, and that's something we can all look forward to. Finally, questions we can't answer, but you want us to anyway. This is actually a question that I want answered, really, um, but I don't think can be answered. The 2030 World Cup bids that just came across this today, when you go down a just a, a wormhole on, on Google, a rabbit hole. Listen to this. Uruguay, Argentina, Paraguay, Chile. One bid. Spain, Portugal, Ukraine, one bid. Egypt, Greece, Saudi Arabia, one bid. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yeah, as, as if as if a move to a forty-eight team World Cup couldn't be any worse. It's it's now <laughs> it's now the in vogue thing to spread it across a fucking continent, across continents. Now it seems and there aren't forty-eight good teams in the world. <laughs> the whole point of a two-year qualification process is to filter out the shit countries. And give us a concentration of the best teams, so we can have a fucking festival of football. Yeah. Not whatever this is, like the the, the thirty two team World Cup opens with Qatar versus Ecuador for fuck's sake, and that's followed up with England Iran and USA Wales the next day. And you want to bring in sixteen yeah. more teams? Like the, <laughs> the 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 most recent proposal for the for the Canada USA Mexico World Cup, three of the biggest countries in the world, by the way, <laughs> is to have. Is to have sixteen three team groups with only with yeah. two sorry with two advancing only one getting knocked out like what a load of shite but that's not even decided yet like so they decided to dilute the quality of the competition as well as dilute the atmosphere by spreading it across continents but they haven't even figured out how it'll work yeah. anyway like yeah those options all sound shite Portugal and Spain should be ashamed of themselves like you know this is opportunistic at best to throw in Ukraine we all know why they've yeah. done that. But anyway, I'm all in on it because the matches will at least be on at the time that suits me. <laughs> and Ireland might actually have a chance of qualifying as well. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say about the continents as well. Like Egypt, Greece, Saudi Arabia, three different continents. Like it's, it's Asia, Africa, Europe, all thrown into one. 
that's fucking crazy. That'll probably won't win for that reason. Alone. <laughs> um, what are you talking about the times and such? I was just about to say it's actually really good though. Looking forward to this World Cup. Um, in that like the, the, the games are gonna be on during the day. Like it's it's fucking ideal. Like this is this is a perfect World Cup as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's dark and cold outside. We're gonna be watching some football in the office. Oh, finally, you and your fucking pals in the media get to have a laugh at me. <laughs> Who's going to be laughing whenever you're all producing your player ratings or five things we learned from Qatar versus Ecuador articles? Literally fucking nobody. <laughs> What's I, your fucking problem? I only actually realised how bad this is for people who do something useful for a living. When I was uh, I was laughing at my mate who's moving to New Zealand. Has moved to New Zealand, actually. Because the World Cup would be on at 10pm, 1am, 4am and 7am. And then I immediately ended up looking like a full low when I realised... Um, that that means I'll be missing three out of four weekday games, <laughs> and he's a, he's a self employed illustrator who also happens to be a bit of a night owl anyway, and he can easily just adapt his life around the World Cup and have very little impact on the quality of his life. He'll have seen all the sites at that stage anyway. He's got two months to get them in. Fucking quick. <laughs> I um I I I find it hard to. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like here's uh, showing my greenness. Like, but I just don't understand why every office just couldn't have it being aired on TV. <laughs> Get a job, Conan. <laughs> Get a real job, Conan. Yeah, like it's funny because I I actually look for the games that are within that time because especially during a festival like this, you don't want like you don't want. I just feel like games at seven o'clock are just so intrusive. I'd rather have them later on or during the workday. Just like you don't want to have your ho- yourself completely removed from the picture from anybody else's picture as well for the entire evening, every evening for a full month because you want to watch Qatar and Ecuador. Like, so why you look forward to seeing brilliant? There's two games, and when you get into solid matches in the day during work well i'll still be doing work if anybody's listening and then it's very it's a very reasonable request and to say and i'll be uh, i'll be watching one game tonight so you can watch it with me <laughs> and look anybody who doesn't want to join in watching con and i think you should cut them out of your life anyway but <laughs> they, like it only that only happens in the group stage as well so it's only for a week or two but there's all there's also the odd scattered day then during the round of 16 in the quarterfinals where there's an evening off so you know Let's not throw the fucking baby out with a bathwater here. The 7 p.m. games are what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, thanks a million for listening. We're back on Monday night to review Forest Villa. If um, yeah, you're not listening already, I don't know why you'd be listening to this one and not the Monday night one, but maybe you're not a Villa fan, but like it's, it's good to listen sometimes and you hear different clubs being mentioned every single week. Um, you hear a lot of the same stuff as well. Steven Gerrard, uh, Ollie Watkins, missing chances. Um, but like, yeah, I recommend it. Like, I, I could definitely have th- thought of a better way of recommending the podcast. <laughs> St- Steven Gerrard, Ollie Watkins, missing chances. Like, what sort of plug was that for the podcast? <laughs> yeah, join join us on Monday. We'll be calling Steven Gerrard and Ollie Watkins. Shite. <laughs> Hope you can make it. That wind is calling my name, and I-